0: everybody uh welcome to episode two of dining hall talk as you know the podcast dining hall talk where we talk about a variety of issues um with the death that we would you know in a college dining hall and so today uh we have a special guest on the podcast uh my main man nate um we go way back uh we met uh at church and have just hung out a lot over the course of the pandemic, played some hoops, you know, I gave him the work a little bit. Um, so yeah, welcome, Nate. Um, you know, just just tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Thanks, Michael. Yeah, um, like you said, my name is Nate. I, I met Michael at church uh, probably like a year, year and a half ago, but I moved. We're, we're both D.C. natives, moved here from uh, Cincinnati, which is where I'm originally from, kind of as a, a making of a man type story, didn't know anybody. And I uh, wanted to kind of forge forge my own path out in DC. So I uh, r- started running with with a new crowd, whole new friends. And I met Michael, um, and we vibed really well, started to do a weekly, weekly Wednesday dates with each other, which turned into very long, um, philosophical conversations. And uh, we've been running with it ever since, and now I'm on a podcast. I'm so excited! I've never been on a podcast before, but but Michael's rolling with it, so I'm ready to go.
0: Absolutely, I mean it's only my second one, uh, so we're we're pretty much in the same boat. But yeah, um, so uh, you know we have Nate as a guest today, and today we're going to be talking about um, healthy masculinity. Um, you know, masculinity is a topic uh, that is pretty controversial in today's world, and there are a lot of very negative examples of masculinity um, where masculinity has been used to harm people, where it's been used to oppress people, where it's been really hurtful. Um, And it's important to explore those. It's important to kind of sit in the weight of what that is and what that means and how that's hurt people. But it's also important to not throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. And, you know, give examples to people of what healthy masculinity can look like. Um, but, before diving into healthy masculinity the first question I have um, and that's important to answer is what exactly is toxic masculinity so Nate start us off what is toxic masculinity
1: toxic masculinity well I think it's conventionally I would I would say that it's any way that guys or yeah guys would flaunt I guess the the strengths or advantages privileges that they have and kind of like use it for evil i one of the things that i talk about with my friends a lot is how you have strengths and it's two sides of the same coin and you can choose to use them for good or use them for evil and i think masculinity can also be a strength like that where there's two sides of the coin right and there's one where you can leverage the the strengths and privileges that we're afforded as men in a healthy and in a productive way for other people around us. Or, you know, you can go demon time or what's a become a super gremlin or whatever and, and use it for evil, you know? So I think that's, that's the toxic side where you use, use your strengths and privileges for selfish gain or, or just be a menace in general.
0: Yeah, I feel that. Um, I think there's also like, a really interesting aspect of toxic masculinity, which is it often starts and comes from a place of, you know, from 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 the point that a kid is really young, trying to conform to a certain standard. I won't even say ideal, but a certain standard of masculinity. So men don't cry. Um, men don't show emotion. Men are aggressive. And the mind of that child, right, is shaped and formed in a way that as that individual grows up, they can't help but express those things in positive ways. Because what happens if you don't express emotion? You bottle it up and then eventually it explodes. And usually it explodes and it hurts other people. But what happens if the only, you know, um, the only outlet that you have for emotion is aggression? You end up hurting those that you love and you end up hurting those that you care about. Um, or what happens if you're not trained to have a positive view of of woman, right? You end up, you know, hurting them. And so like toxic masculinity is both right the manifestation in my mind, right? The manifestation um as an adult where you're a male and you're you you have behaviors that harm others and that constrain yourself, uh, but it's also the product of the world, maybe other men, and the expectations of, quote-unquote, manhood acting on you um, in a way that leads you to conform as a child that makes you that adult that hurts others. Um, Yeah, and so, like, I guess kind of building off of that is, what are some examples, or what are some of the most prominent examples of toxic masculinity that you feel that you've seen?
1: Oh Lord. Well, I think, I think first kind of to go back on what you were saying, I, I think that it is, and maybe to add on to my original
0: plus one and
1: comment a little plus one is I I do think that you don't like, we don't get to choose to be neutral. You know, I, at least that's, that's my opinion where there's not a, I'm just not going to be masculine in any way. You know, like I am that's, that's kind of part of who I am and I'm going to be masculine in a healthy way, or I'm going to be max masculine in a toxic way. And, yeah. and I think what, to your point of kind of like suppressing emotion or feeling like, oh, I shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. And not having an outlet to express that masculinity in any way. The consequence of that is it does leak out some way. Like, like I said, I, I don't think that you can be neutral and, yeah. um, I I hold a very pessimistic view of the world, and I think that things that happen on accident usually are not uh, positive. What is that entropy? How things tend to devolve into chaos, yeah. and you know, if you if you don't take some some form of control over how am I going to express um, express this masculinity, then it's going to leak out in in negative ways. And so um, I think that it's cool that that you thought this is a good thing to talk about because I think that it is. Um, and it's a good thing that we kind of have to consciously think about or else my masculinity, our masculinity will leak out in, in ways that are not, um, not attractive, not appealing and not productive to, uh, to the people around us.
0: Yeah, that's facts. Like I, I, I don't think that masculinity, um, is inherently harmful and inherently bad. Um, like, I think there are many healthy ways to express masculinity. But when I probably tap in on those later, um, I just think that the way a lot of times society conditions individuals to express masculinity is really limited. Um, And like, you know, to give some examples, like, I always felt and I didn't, sometimes you don't know, like, what you have until you see other people that, you know, don't habit right um and so i can give an example of something that i had um and i could give an example of something that i also like learned um you know that that's probably not the healthiest way to express masculinity um like for example i think that i, I realized growing up that there were you know certain men that were conditioned not to cry not to express emotion and um <laughs> yeah, and like i had a a father that you know was very masculine like traditional um but like the lack of expression of emotion was not something that was normalized right it, it's not to say that my you know my father is an emotional man, which he's not, and that's not to say that I'm a particularly like emotional individual, but i grew i didn't grow up feeling like. My emotions were something bad, were something um, like, you know, something to be like fully constrained. And I I could express a range of emotions, maybe not the full range. Um, And there's still certain emotions that I have more trouble expressing than others, but um, certain emotions I could express. And the fact that like my parents were like, oh, you know, boys don't cry, or that the response to my crying wasn't like, you're a man, don't cry when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. super healthy. Um, and it allowed me to be able to express sadness to others. Um, now there's another, there's another question about like what happens when you actually express that sadness. It's not just being able to express it. It's about it being accepted and valued, um, as a range of emotional expression and not being like used or or not being judged for that. So that's like one thing that I feel Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful for. Um, One thing that I realized I had to learn as well as just how to be comfortable uh, expressing like care, you know, for, for, for other, for other individuals, right. For other, for other guys, like openly saying, I care about you. Like, I love you. Like those aren't words that you really, you're not really conditioned as a man to say to your friends you know? And um, like the first couple of times it comes out, even to this day, it's like a little bit of like, uh, like it doesn't flow out naturally, but it's, it's important um, to let the homies know that you, um, you care for them. So that's, that's an area that I'm still trying to grow in. And that's an area where I see that, you know, um, toxic aspects of masculinity have affected kind of the, my, my ability to express myself, my ability to express care for others. So like passing that on to you. What are some examples in your life where you've kind of seen that manifest?
1: Yeah, I think I mean I, I resonated with a lot of what you were saying. I think when I was when I was growing up, and even uh you mentioned that, oh, if these if these things are kind of like either either implicitly or explicitly expressed to you, like, oh boys don't cry, or or like we we can't. You know say that we care about each other and there's only a certain range of emotions that are appropriate to express like in any context like i saw that a lot more implicitly where i didn't think it wasn't like a oh you know like quit crying you you have to be a man but it was more um and again i think this goes to my point of how you have to be intentional about it like not talking about it i think will you will devolve towards either suppression or or toxic expressions of your masculinity where growing up like I was one of those guys that after every th- single sports game that I lost I'd cry like I was I was like so competitive and every time I lost I would cry and I was so ashamed of it too which granted that might be an expression of toxic like <laughs> toxicity in a different way as well but like, no, you,
0: could, you could feel those emotions you could feel those yeah,
1: but, but always cried like after every game probably until I was in junior high school and I and probably exposing myself here, but like all, always, like whether it was me playing, um, I remember, I don't remember what year it was, but when Donovan McNabb and Tom Brady played against each other in the Super Bowl yeah. and the Patriots won, I like went up to my room, like stood up real quietly when my parents were in the room, like walked up to my room and just started crying because I was so like upset.
0: Perfectly that- rational. That, I'll tell you, that one is 110% justified. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well thanks for your support. But but all that to say like none of those things were ever explicitly expressed to me or or shown. Like I don't I don't think that anyone ever looked at me a certain way because I was crying after my basketball games or something like that. And my dad was always like supportive of me, but even like internally I felt this shame of like, "Oh, I don't think I'm supposed to do this." And because that was never talked about for me, I think that that shame became internalized where it's like, oh, this could have been a great opportunity to talk about, okay, yeah, maybe you don't need to cry after every single basketball game, but this is a, a valid and healthy emotion to express in some capacity. And let's have a discussion, even as I was a little kid or, or teach me some sort of lessons of, oh, what is this? What does this look like in a healthy way as I'm growing up? Because I think as I grew up, I learned to just like either numb myself or suppress that where it's like, Oh, yeah, I lost and I'm like pissed and I'm sad, but I'm not going to let anybody know like I'm going to stay cool, calm and collected and then just kind of try to try to eat it and and just absorb it into my my being. And again, like, does that just go away? Probably not. But how does it manifest itself? Um, I don't know exactly how it did. But I'm sure that it doesn't just stay, stay there or just go yeah. away. Yeah,
0: no, that's, I think that's absolutely right. Um, yeah, it doesn't. And it's important to like acknowledge it and, um, and bear with it and unearth it and then deal with it. Um, and not deal with it as in like, get it done, but like actually go through the process of of feeling, what you feel processing your emotions and then like coming to solutions about what is actionable you know, what you can fix, and understanding that it's not immediate um, and that it takes time. Um, But on that kind of vein, um, I think that the way I imagine this conversation going is we start off talking about toxic masculinity, and then we get into some of the challenges that everyday men are facing. From there, we kind of dive into a little bit of the manosphere. Talk talk a little bit about, you know, um, guys like Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson. Um, And then I think finally, we close it out with what is a vision for healthy masculinity, right? And what does that mean, not just in terms of like emotion, um, self-actualization, and care for others. Um, but yeah, just like a big picture vision for what it means, you know, and it won't be perfect, uh, but you know, hopefully it's 90% good and people can reject the 10% or, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, so that's how kind of how I envision this conversation going.
1: So you, you couldn't stop smiling there. I'm excited now.
0: You're excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited too. I'm excited too. Um, because there was something that you said that like stuck with me about like the process of not dealing with your emotions causes it to fester. The process of not dealing with and acknowledging challenges causes them to fester. Um, uh, and so I want to kind of turn the conversation a little bit to the, the struggles of men in the West today. Um, like, and there, I know there were a couple of articles I, I sent out, but um, yeah, like I just gonna start out with like what's your what's your perspective, um, and then I'll chime in. Like, do you feel, um, in a way that men, as a category, are struggling?
1: I mean, everybody struggles to an extent, but I'll I'll try to pick apart. How um, for, for men specifically but I think the way I know that originally it we kind of posed this question of what is toxic masculinity versus healthy masculinity I actually feel like as we're talking about it there's three categories where there's mm. toxic like active toxic. toxic masculinity then there's the suppression point which we've been talking about a little wow. bit and then there is healthy expression right and so yeah. toxic masculinity would be more like how, when people actively express toxicity, however you want to um, define that, like the negative expressions of masculinity. And then this this suppression piece, which I think if I were to pinpoint like one of the struggles of figuring out how to become, uh, oh, that's kind of a tongue twister, healthily masculine, like healthily masculine in the West today is I think that, kind of what we were saying earlier, that it's not talked about very much and the default that people are like, people are taught to avoid toxic masculinity, but Mm -hmm. aren't taught how to be actively healthy in their masculinity. And so I think that that pushes, at least for me, and I think I see that with a lot of guys around me too, like it pushes us towards this passive suppression of of our masculinity, which is unhealthy in and of itself, um, if nothing else, because... We may not be doing anything actively bad with our masculinity but we also have this blessing and one of my one of my favorite bible verses i'm not going to try to like start preaching on you guys or anything like that but i call it the uncle ben verse which is in luke and it says to whom much is given much is expected kind of like how uncle ben in spider-man says with great power comes great responsibility and in terms of masculinity it's like yeah if you are suppressing You're not doing anything actively bad with it, but you also do have this gift in a sense and aren't doing anything good with it. And so that, I think the struggle is identifying how to move from a lot of people that are conventionally, like conventionally good or neutral, like as men in society, at least for me, I tend towards that suppression piece. And how do we move from that neutral to using, the gifts and privileges that we've been afforded for good and for the benefit of those around us. I think that's probably the biggest problem at a high level. Um, How that is difficult maybe is a little bit more of a nuanced conversation, but I think at a very high level, that's, that's the, the difficulty.
0: Yeah. Um, Like, I think that when I think about the state of, um, I think I agree with all the things that you've said. Like, I think that, There, um like i agree with your categorizations um i mean probably the caveat is i I think that suppression will still turn out to be a form of negative masculinity Mm. right like there was a point that you made about people don't have really the ability to be neutral like especially for something that's so ingrained in their identity and so one might look and say that um one might look and say that right like I am, you know, suppressing my desire, I'm suppressing my emotion and I'm not doing any active harm to any individual, but it probably does manifest as harm in certain ways, right? It probably manifests as, there's probably certain times where there's a buildup of emotion and there's an outburst, right? Like everything that you put in, it, it also needs to escape, right? Or it might manifest in not being as communicative about your needs in the context of relationship right both romantic relationship and relationship with friends um so i think i have that thought on neutrality the other thing that i think about a lot is just the way that the world has changed that's made it much more difficult for people to achieve that false ideal of what masculinity is and so taking like a broad version of not just thinking about like an individual as an emotional animal, but also like as a, you know, uh, as a, as a financial animal, right? Um, Like there is a lot about the world that has changed in the past, you know, 40 years. And, And previously, right, men were defined, you know, both in terms of their, you know, their personal characteristics and fitting that standard mold of what a man is supposed to look like and do. Um, But also, right, their ability to provide in a substantive way, like financially, right? Like their ability to be the quote unquote breadwinner. Um, And I think now we're seeing um, a real challenge for not just men to recognize that that's not the quote unquote right ideal, so to speak. Um, But even if they fail to recognize, even if they like hold that as the ideal, there's a challenge for a large swath of society to be able to achieve it. Um, Right. Like if you look at the kind of educational statistics for young men, they're, they're going to college at much lower rates. Um, Like, they, uh, a, a wide variety of men, especially men that are not a part of the upper middle class, especially, um, are not able to, are not able to reach and fulfill that standard of what a quote unquote male is supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. And because of, I think, this lack of, this lack of ability or desire to 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 strip back the layers that society has placed and, and sometimes the the unrealistic layers that society has placed both emotionally financially and according to a broad variety of metrics an um, and ability to find a healthy definition of masculinity that values them as an individual in the whole you see a lot of toxicity a lot of greed a lot of unnecessary striving that emerges um And that also ties in with where I think guys like Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson come in Um, because I think that they are – I think that they're like some of the key examples of that. Um, And for those who don't know, uh, Joe Rogan, like he's not a niche figure because he's one of the like most listened to or he might be the like the highest – listen to podcast on Spotify. Um, but a lot of people don't know about him. Uh, don't know of him. He's very involved in the UFC. I don't even know his bio that much. He's just this kind of big, bald in shape guy who likes MMA and UFC and, um, always talks about quote unquote getting better and has like this standard, almost stereotypical view of what masculinity is. That's gotten him a lot of flack. Um, and I'd say that Jordan Peterson is not a parallel, but he's someone who um, probably shares like a very similar view of masculinity um, that is the breadwinner, the stoic, the, um, the 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 person that doesn't that doesn't exhibit all the layers and nuances of emotion, the person that doesn't consider how they're feeling in the same way, um, and. Um, there's just such a huge rise in the popularity of these figures. Like, while a lot of people might not have heard of them, they have humongous followings. Yeah. Um, and I think what that speaks to, in my mind, is that there are a lot of men in crisis. Like, not to say that, you know, people who listen to Joe Rogan or Jordan Peterson are in crisis, because I definitely tuned in, and, you know, I yeah, might some be of them in are. crisis, yeah, some you know, of them are. but yeah, a lot of people are. Um, and yeah, so I guess I've been talking for a minute, so I'd love to pause and hear your thoughts on that and your thoughts on the appeal of kind of these two figures and how that intersects with the, um, the challenged view of masculinity that people are struggling with today.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think to, condense it, I feel like it's, it's like a power vacuum, you know, and we were talking earlier about um, explicit and implicit ways that expressions of masculinity can be pushed on, on guys. Um, And I think those two are the more, I guess, explicit ways where um, they're explicitly speaking about, oh, what does it mean to be a man? What how do you express your masculinity in ways that they feel like is right? Um, but there's implicit ways to like, I would even extend, extend that power. So what I mean by power vacuum is I think there are very few people that are speaking into what it means to be a man and that creates a vacuum and people, I think that guys crave that kind of information. And so we look to figures like Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson, but even
0: not me, but some guys.
1: Yeah, but even I would point to like rappers, celebrities, um, like football players, basketball players, like that type where people do look up to these people and like, hey, you mentioned the false ideal of masculinity. Like, I think those are all false ideals too because everyone can't be a rapper. Everybody can't be a professional basketball player, but there is a way for everyone to be healthily masculine. Yeah,
0: not everyone should aspire to be that. Like, not everyone should aspire to like, move like a rapper moves right Right. because those aren't always things that benefit the communities around them right Mm -hmm. like those are things that could be self-serving and not to like not to fixate on rappers this applies more broadly but the 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 people that you know effectively become the caricatures that we idolize in masculinity it's not just that it's not attainable right because it's not something in a sense that you desire to be obtained right like uh in in you know like the the relationship between them and the community around them is not always positive and wholesome um but yeah sorry for that interlude. just No away. yeah
1: i mean you're you're spot on and and i think that that it, it's a very like outward expression of masculinity, and very I think that false ideal that you mentioned is it's very materialistic. Of like I I was joking about um, I forget how we brought up the term hypergamy, but like that's a very that's a very like have to cut this, this, this right? is a pretty good conversation, and I'm not going to get too into it, but yeah. it got brought up, but it made me think about the like there's a very toxic side of the internet that uses that phrase a lot. And, and I think that that's like, it's a, it's a very materialistic and kind of superficial view of what it means to be masculine of, Oh, like I'm going to get to this point of material success where I'm making a bunch of money where I hit the gym so much that I look like a Greek God or whatever and i can like bag all these girls or whatever and that's what's going to make me masculine And once i have these material things like check boxes it doesn't really matter what kind of person i am that's going to make validate my masculinity to the world and that's what really counts and nobody with the exception of very few talk about the the internal ways where you can become an internally healthily masculine person and that doesn't manifest itself in you making $200,000 a year and having like the physique of a Greek God and bagging a ton of girls. You know, like that's not necessarily what it means to be healthily masculine internally. But if that's the view of things, then it's like, okay, by any means necessary, I'm gonna try to get to that materialistic ideal. And that is toxic, I guess. Like that's yeah. that, can, that always manifests itself in very toxic ways because it doesn't matter how you are impacting other people and how you're impacting your community, it really just matters. Okay. How do people view me and how am I able to get mine? Like in this world, like, am I able to leverage the, the skills, the gifts, the privileges that I have to get mine? And like, I don't want to use bad words in this, but forget everybody else, you know, like I don't care about what's happening with the people around me.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely no. there, I think there's such a strong association, um, between that, those hyper-masculine attitudes and that inherent selfishness. Because you start, to, you, you start to value the world and value yourself in a way that only really exists when you have more than others have, right? And when you need to have more than others have to feel validated about an aspect of your identity, that inherently is something that leads to, to greed, right? And that leads to, like, a lack of care about your fellow man. And I think that, like, implicitly you made the connection better than I could is because as well as with, you know, associated with these attitudes about masculinity that a lot of people like Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson push, um, is, right, uh, this either implicit, you know, um, sometimes in the case of Joe Rogan, right, because he doesn't really claim to be right wing. Um, He he actually claims to be very much the opposite, or more explicit, in the case of Jordan Peterson, ideals. Um, And this isn't to opine on like, what view of society is right or wrong, um, necessarily, because there's a lot of nuance there. Um, But this is just to talk about kind of how when you have an unhealthy vision of masculinity, and when you have a self-centered view of masculinity that is dependent on you having more than others, and you dominating um, your space and domination in the bad way, um, it's going to lead. The natural offshoot is going to lead to a societal view, right? That 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 reflects that, right? That reflects the inequality that you want to drive so that you feel better about your station in life. Um, And the thing that I think is a real shame is, you know, people always say, you know, in every lie, there's a speck of truth. Right. Um, And I think that there's something powerful to a lot of men about self actualization, right. Becoming the best individual that you can be working hard and all of those things. Um, but it's a shame that those two things are, those things are so intertwined with a broader view of society that is uncharitable and not compassionate.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and also vice versa, like in every, in every truth there's a shred of lie too. Like I've, I've heard, I know, I, I have a bit more, admittedly, a bit more of a rosy perspective on on Jordan Peterson than you do. I, I recognize some of the ways that um, he kind of pushes a like to- toxically masculine viewpoint. And I think a lot of it comes from, um, or one of the easiest barometers for me is kind of checking, okay, what kind of, what kind of person is this ideology creating or like what type of person is being drawn to this ideology? And you see who, like, what, what type of man is being created by like listening to Joe Rogan and listening to Jordan Peterson. And I won't, I won't force my opinions, but you can decide for yourself, like, do you like the kind of man that's being created from that? Or is it creating like what you were saying, a a selfish, self-centered kind of, uh, Um, person or version of, of, of a man, of a version of masculinity. And if it is, you know, what is, even if there is a lot of truth in or some truth in what they're speaking, what is the lie that's producing these negative effects from people that are listening and really buying into this, this lifestyle or the way that they're expressing their masculinity. And I think, um, I think that it does just come down to, selfishness and self-centeredness where i think that that perspective of self-actualization in and of itself is not bad but i think that it's only half of the battle where it's oh you're creating the best version of yourself but for what and i think that a lot of times the for what and maybe shameless plug to listen to the last episode of your podcast about purpose but like knowing what is it that you know? What is it that you're creating this best version of yourself for? I think again, um, and this is something actually that I first heard from Jordan Peterson, but I also learned through one of the sermons that I listened to um, in the past year. But in the Bible, it talks about how the meek will inherit the earth, and the the definition of meek in that passage it's not the conventionally the conventional way that it's defined, which is oh, this person that is not powerful or doesn't, doesn't have the ability to affect change, but it actually means something along the lines of someone. I hope that I don't butcher this, but somebody who has weapons and the ability to use them and chooses not to, or chooses to use them for, for like benefit. Um, and that is meekness, which I guess that self-actualization piece of creating the best version of yourself or striving to become the best version of yourself is not inherently bad but if that self actualized version of yourself is only used for yourself you haven't gotten the whole picture and there's a whole nother side after or while you are pursuing that which is are you using this for good or an are you are you choosing even when you have the ability sometimes to you know rule with an iron fist or ex- exact whatever kind of force you need to like get yours and do what you have to do to achieve some level of personal success, when it is good to do so, are you willing to hold that back and use figure out ways to use that in a more beneficial way? Um, I think that's, that's the difficulty. And that's a lot of what's missing in the, the more like toxic that you're that you're mentioning the toxic aspects of um, discussing masculinity in our society today.
0: Yeah. And I, I think there's even another nuance I'd like to throw out there, because I, I think I absolutely agree with you that like there's a question of what are you becoming the best version of yourself for, right? And then there's a there's another question that precedes that, which is what is the best version of yourself? Yeah. And I think that like the challenge is twofold, right? Because they also advocate for a version of the best version of yourself, right? And that version is not the kindest version of yourself right it's not the most loving version of yourself right it's not the most helpful version of yourself it's the version of yourself that is able to accumulate the most material resources that is able to be the most fit right that is able to get the most girls not necessarily but not not in the case of jordan peterson but you know that it, it has been said in that sphere um and there is a large challenge, a non-trivial challenge in figuring out what does it mean to be the best version of yourself. And, you know, we're both Christians. Ultimately, for me and you, the best version of yourself is a reflection of Christ. Right. Um, but I, th- there, there has to be an evaluation and an honest evaluation of what that means. And my problem is not that they tell you to strive to get better, get better, do more, wake up early, be diligent, right? I I don't think there's enough about all of the nuances of becoming the best version of yourself Mm -hmm. that can then be a force for good. Um, And I think that that is another level at which it fails. So it's not just the problem of, you know, um, yeah, I want to like get mine at the end, Right, it's the problem of they don't even know what it means to really develop as a man, other than be better, right, or do good, or go fight, or learn jujitsu, right, or be dangerous, as 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 Jordan Peterson likes to say. Um, and I think that answering that question is a huge challenge, and what I'd like to, us to turn our attention to, which is what does it mean? Uh, for you right um, to be healthily masculine across the board um, emotionally right in the way you relate to others what's what's that vision in your mind they talk
1: to me. I'll try I think the the biggest thing that's sticking with me in our discussion if if I again if I could condense it to something really short is I think that, healthy masculinity is selfless, like at its core. And I think that that kind of speaks both to the end product that you were speaking to, but also the process in order to get there where it's like, I I do think that at its core, a healthy expression of masculinity is selfless. And so that doesn't necessarily push to the side. Some of the ways that these celebrities and powerful like speakers, podcasters, like all of those people in society are telling people. But I think the motivation behind that can a lot of times be what determines whether this is a healthy expression of masculinity or this is a toxic or suppressive um, expression of masculinity. Like, for example, I think of the like trying to get big, for example, like become, become this like very, um, like jacked or however you want to cut figure. Um, and a lot of times the motivation for that in a toxic lens is, okay, let me get big as fast as I can because then people will look at me, people will be attracted to me and people will respect me. And even listening to the way that I describe that, it's me, 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 like it's all for me. I'm doing it for myself and nobody else. What, where, where if there is, if I were to try to paint a, more healthy picture of, okay, I'm going to try to hit the weight room really hard and see what happens would be, okay, there is a disciplinary aspect of this that will be good for me, but I'll also be able to model that discipline, which I think is a healthy expression um, and will make me and other people who aspire to be like that successful in other aspects. And I want to model that so as to encourage other people to pursue the same thing It could look exactly the same on the surface, but the internal motivation is selfless and a healthy expression, whereas it's very self-centered and, um, and greedy, like what you were saying in a, in a more toxic. And so, yeah, if I were to condense it to really short, I would just say that healthy masculinity is selfless. Yeah.
0: I think that's, that's really profound. Um, I mean, sometimes people just want to get big to get big. Like if you want to hit the gym, hit the weights. Hey,
1: you're telling me, I, you know? I tell my mom, I tell my mom every Thanksgiving that I'm going to be 200 pounds by Thanksgiving and every Thanksgiving passes. And that's always the goal. And I mean, if I'm being honest, it's pretty, it's pretty selfish ambition. If, if nothing else to just prove, prove my mom wrong. Cause she always says that I can't do it, but yeah, some people do. But even if I were to look inward on myself, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm not doing that for the right reasons, like, you know, and, and I want to do it for the right reasons. And maybe it's like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Like what comes first, my good motivations, or do I try to implement this healthy practice and hope that good motivations come from that? Um, I think I'm lazy, so I'm probably going to have to start with the former of having some sort of like, oh yeah, I just told my mom, I'm going to weigh 200 pounds by Thanksgiving. So I'm going to go for it. But hopefully you right now? I do that I develop a more healthy and, and selfless perspective that hopefully I can teach or or model to other people. Yeah.
0: C- come work out with your boy, man. Uh, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll get you right. I'll get you right. I'll have you, have you on all the protein powders. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I, I absolutely agree. I do think that um, – I do feel that at the core, healthy masculinity is selfless. And when I – I think, yeah. Like when you look at the variety of things we talked about, right? Um, when you look at you know the insecurity with finances, right? When you look at the inability to express like love or other emotions, right? Um, when you when you you, you look at the, the 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 lack of desire to be kind and gentle, you realize that a lot of the challenges. Um Of masculinity come with come from some form of selfishness, right? Um, you know, come with some form of emotional selfishness or financial selfishness. Um, and I think that, yeah, addressing that is such a huge part of the puzzle. Um, I'm not going to say that that's the only thing because I think that there is value to discipline. Um, there is value to certain of these traits, um, that might not have the clearest connection to selflessness, even though one can extrapolate. Like I want to be the most disciplined version of me so I can serve my family better later on. Um, but maybe sometimes you just need to be disciplined. Um, but I think that the love, the love, the genuine love and compassion and putting others first, um, is something that can help take. A lot of toxic masculinity that's centered on, I want to be big and I want to get this money and stack this paper and I want to have more than other people mm. and I want to you know you know get these girls right and you you take that and you flip it on its head and you look at the world through a lens of selflessness and all of a sudden a lot of those issues and those challenges start to dissipate, right? Selflessness, you know, is is love for other and it's also a necessary precursor to that is the humanization of other right which is like you know in order to love you right in order to really love you i have to see you i have to understand you right and when you understand that like you know uh you know your attitudes your views on on uh, on on woman strip them of their agency, right? And strip them of their personhood. Um, or you understand that your attitudes or views on broader society lead to individuals harm rather than their benefit, right? Like when you're grounded in a deep care for other people, um, it's a lot harder to go straight. Um, and yeah, so I, that's, that's really powerful. I, I definitely think that even if someone loves in a way that's selfless, there are still areas and work to do to understand how other people want to be loved, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because there are a lot of our you know, grandfathers or, or fathers that were like selfless people that really loved and cared for their family uh, but wouldn't share their emotion, right? We're still told not to cry um, yeah. or we're still uncomfortable expressing love in various ways. And that doesn't mean that they didn't put others first. And didn't put their needs before their own, um, but it 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 means that you know selflessness is one component, but even still, unlearning some of the ways that we've been conditioned to behave, that we've been conditioned to think, is another important part of the puzzle. Um, yeah. And I think with that, like you don't want to be too prescriptive because you know healthy masculinity can look different for different people, um, but I think it takes you a lot of the way there right, if you have a genuine love for others, right, um, and you work to kind of evaluate the way that you've been conditioned um, to react or engage to things that's not helpful to others, that can harm others, even when you're as well-intentioned as possible, um, you know, that that takes you a long way towards creating a much healthier, much better um, vision of masculinity. That hopefully can also help people from following astray to, you know, th- those lies with a lot of truth or those lies with grains of truth in them. Um, yeah, man. So,
1: spot on. I think I think uh, that's. I'm, I'm trying to think. There was one part that you mentioned there of the there is an aspect where it's like you just have to be disciplined, right? And you just got to go for it. And and I think that even what you were saying where. There are these, the previous generation that maybe expressed their masculinity in healthy ways in some facets and some definitions of the word, where, oh, yeah, this was something that this, my grandpa was very selfless in the way that he took care of his family financially or took care of his family, um, like physically, in terms of providing for their physical needs. But maybe he was not healthy in the way that, even though it maybe came from, selfless or some semblance of selfless ambition of, Oh, I'm going to be stoic and not cry and do any of these things because I need to stay strong for my family. Because at least from my perspective, because that is due to his definition of masculinity being a little bit flawed. And so I guess there's two, two aspects of one, making sure that there is an accurate Definition of of what it looks like in your mind, and like you said, it looks different for for different people. There may be, and even situationally, there may be some situations where, oh yeah, it's good to not, you know, like curl up and cry during like the, in the moment of conflict, and you need to stay composed to to complete a task or to make sure that other people are taken care of. But that doesn't necessarily have to carry over into your own home where everyone's kind of just sitting around the table and it's like, oh, this is, we're talking about something sad. Maybe there is like a personal loss or something like that. And it's appropriate to, to cry in this situation. You don't have to carry over this stoicism that you brought into conflict or some sort of really tough situation where maybe you were, it was good and healthy to be a little bit more composed, but you don't have to bring that into a more emotionally sensitive environment. And in that situation i would argue that it even is selfless to show that kind of emotion because you're modeling that for other people and you're showing you're showing whether it's showing your family or showing your friends showing your fellow fellow brothers fellow man that oh yeah like it's okay to to cry when you're sad or to cry when you are really emotionally moved in this way or that way that's not that's not something that's a uh, a detraction from from your masculinity it might be perceived that way but again that's i think that that would be in and of itself self selfish of thinking oh this is going to be perceived as a not masculine act therefore i'm not going to do it i would say that's that's probably a poor reason to to avoid yeah. doing something like that but if it's more selfless you might say yeah some people might look at me a type of way for this but i do think that i'm I'm healthily expressing whether it is my emotion or it's something else. Um, And by doing that, I will be better and I will be a more healthy version of myself, but I'll also be able to model healthier behavior to other people as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um,
0: And men have a lot of work to do. Um, And I think another thing that I want to throw out there, um, like these positive traits um, and and these calls to actions are not only attributable to men right it's not just men that can or should be disciplined not just men that can or should be stoic not just men that can or should be selfless um like i think there is value in casting a definition of what healthy masculinity can look like because when we don't as you mentioned there's a vacuum but it's not something that's mutually uh exclusive to anyone so Uh, wanted to throw that out there. And with that, Nate, just, just want to hit you, man. Do you got any, any last thoughts? I think we, we hit all our topics for today. So let me know, uh, speak now or forever hold your peace. (laughs) Um, and also if you have any suggestions of, um, you know, good books or good resources, uh, that people might want to check out, um, you know, throw them out there. You don't have to, but maybe like, maybe like one, maybe, Maybe uh, let me, let me challenge you with this one individual on Instagram that you've seen healthily displaying masculinity that you follow.
1: Ooh. Okay. Um, I think so in terms of shameless plugs, I don't really have anything. I don't have like a book or a mixtape or anything like that. So I don't know if, I don't know if I have anything to say in that, in that arena, but I guess in terms of, um, Let's see who is a prominent social media figure that I see being healthily masculine. I'm a big fan of, I hope that I'm not pronouncing his name wrong, but Toby and Weigway. I mm. think that like he so for those who don't know, Toby and Weigway is a he's a rapper from Texas. And um, I wouldn't call him a Christian rapper, but he is a rapper who is Christian. And I think that he's one of very few um very few rappers in a culture where we, I mean, we were talking about how rapper culture can be very toxically masculine, but he, um, models, I think he models like a very family centered perspective, like very family oriented on his Instagram page. He'll always be like talking to his two little girls, talking to his wife, like a lot of his um, producers and people that are designing his sets and choreography as he, as he's going on tour, are equally like equal parts women as they are men. And, and I think that, yeah, that's, that was the first name that came to my mind. So Toby and Weigway, i I rock with his music too. So um, if anyone wants to give him a listen, follow on Instagram, I think, I think that's the first, the first example that, that I can think of. Yeah, I'm, I'm a,
0: I'm personally a very big fan, you know, fan of the music, fan of the artistry mm. Um You know, and, uh, he speaks to, to the, to the diasporic side of me as well. So,
1: uh, yeah,
0: very much second. Um, I think, uh, my recommendation, um, is this is a guy that I think has just, I feel modeled versions of masculinity so well online. A lot of people are familiar with the video of the boy who couldn't punch through the board and he started crying. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, there was the, the, he was a kung fu teacher and he was like, you know, you, you got to go through. It's going to be hard sometimes, but you got to keep on pushing. It's like, it's okay to cry. I know it's hard. And then eventually the little boy punches him the and everybody's so happy. Um, and, um, you know, from that viral video, I followed this, this guy and he's just been, I think, such an example of healthy, you know, loving, compassionate, caring, emotionally in tune manhood. Um, and his name is Jason Wilson. He's Mr. Jason O. Wilson on Instagram. And I've just continually been blessed by his post. Um, and yeah, just his, his versions and his visions for, for what healthy masculinity, um, inspirational masculinity, loving masculinity, selfless masculinity looks like. So um, that's another plug. And yeah, so Nate, my guy thank you so much for coming on to this podcast and spending your your night here um, it's it's truly been a blessing to just talk with you and um, hear your vision about masculinity and 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 I think together I, I think craft a broader view uh, of what that can look like one that's you know, um, selfless instead of selfish, you know, one that's emotionally in tune instead of, um, withdrawn or, or or unnecessarily stoic. And so, uh, super grateful. And yeah, again, everyone, this is dining hall talk where we have deep conversations, uh, and make sure to tune in next time.
1: Hey, I love you, man.
0: I love you too, bro. I love you too.
1: (laughs) All right. Take care. All right.